right, welcome back to Eat Lunch and Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins, and with me today is board game expert and author Eric Arneson. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks so much for having me on. This is fantastic. Oh, man. So I just inhale anything board game related and just, you know, I so I was at the library and just typed in like board game or whatever into the search thing. And this book popped up called How to Host a Game Night. And I'm like, why not? So I got it. I uh, flew through it that I bought my own copy because I'm like, I'm going to need this for reference. There's so much good stuff in this book. Different types of board game nights based on players, how many people you have, how long is it going to run. But then there's this thing in here called Battle Ball. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy. So I had already reached out to you and I'm like, no, mm-mm. no, I got to play Battle Ball first. So, <laughs> so I tracked out a copy of Battle Ball. Uh, my son and I, oh man, we've played it so many times. I introduced it to my friend at my board game weekend um, that he was in town for. And oh, that, that game is amazing. <laughs> Battle Ball is this just mysterious delight of kind of futuristic, kind of football, kind of a battle game, uh, kind of looks like it shouldn't work when you take it out of the box and put it together. You think it's just going to be this, you know, kids game kind of thing, maybe. And somehow, man, it just works and it is fun every time. It, yeah, and you're right. You take it out of the box, and it says Milton Bradley on it, so or or Hasbro or whatever it was in 2003. And you're right. You're like, oh, this is just going to be a toy. And man, it is mechanically, it is just sound. It is a very solid game. And I think what really drew or uh, drew me to it was that it's lightweight. Yeah. It's not this big, heavy blood bowl. It's not, you know, all the minis are pre-painted because I haven't dabbled quite into painting minis yet. I'm trying to hold out as long as I can before I immerse myself in that. I try to trick my friends into painting minis. <laughs> How'd that go for you? <laughs> uh, it worked pretty well, actually. I had an old copy of Hero Quest um, that I really wanted to, uh, to to get painted and play and learn and all that because I had missed out on Hero Quest when I was younger. And uh, I, I gave it to my friends, Josiah and Aaron. And Aaron is a tremendous painter on, uh, on figures like that. And I said, look, I'm going to give you this game for free. All you have to do is paint the figures and agree to play it with me a couple of times. So it worked <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good deal. That's, That's all I wanted. Deal. I only needed to play it a couple times. I didn't figure I'd be playing it forever, so I got to play a really nice uh, painted set. It was great. Nice. So I guess we should step back a second, and you can introduce yourself and what you do for the gaming community. Uh, sure, yeah. So uh, you already said my name's Eric Arneson. Um, I play a lot of board games, which I'm thankful to the community for making so many great games. It's uh, a fantastic hobby, uh, but we all know that. Um I wrote for a website called about.com uh, from 1999 till about 2014. Um, I was uh, covering board games and card games for about.com. Uh, right now I write for the opinionated gamers website, uh, which is run by Dale Yu. Um, and also I have two, two books out, um, how to host a game night, 
is the newest one, which uh, which you you've talked about a little bit, and uh, I am thrilled that it introduced at least one other person to the glory of Battle Ball. Uh, and then I have a little ebook out too that's uh, just a collection of of public domain pencil and paper games called Seventeen Games You Can Play Right Now. Yeah, and I picked that up off of uh, Amazon on my Kindle. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, trying, yeah, my son and I were reading that. Like, so a lot of times his his bedtime stories, if you will, are uh, board game books. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So. Uh, that's gets us in trouble. Um, we we read a lot of them, um, like the the James Louder books, the hobby games, one hundred best, and family games, one hundred best. The amount of games that I owned before and own now, that's a huge gap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those those books are are fantastic and wonderful. Uh, I love the essays written by so many great gamers and and designers and publishers and everything but they're dangerous because you always wind up buying more games yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so many and and i my son and i keep thinking man i should reach out to james and be like hey these are uh, kind of out of date now you might want to write you know hobby games the 100 rest and just do another a whole other route because there's I mean, I think they're they're five or six years old, and if not more. And I'm like, man, so many games have come out recently that it's amazing. You know, the the internet has just revolutionized the board game industry in so many um, great ways. Uh, some some ways that are more challenging, maybe as well. But the the number of incredible great games that are getting published every year, there's just no way any one person can keep up with it. When I started writing for about.com back in 1999, uh, basically I could play every significant new hobby game that was getting published every year. Uh, if you try to do that anymore, you, I, it is more than a 40 hour a week, full-time job. It's impossible. So it is a great time to be a gamer. It's more than 40 hours just to play the games, let alone do all the write up. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So if I came to your house in Pennsylvania, not and not a Steelers fan, we'll get to that later, but that's a good thing because Steelers are gross. I don't care if anybody listening thinks they're great. They're not. I grew up in Indianapolis, man. The Steelers always had the Colts number in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> always. <laughs> uh, so if I came to your house, what game is currently sitting out on your table? Well, if, if I know it's you coming to my house, it's Battle Ball. <laughs> Right. No Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, do you um, play as the wolves or the hearts? Yeah, I, you know, I'll play, I'll take either. Uh, I don't, I've never developed a preference for the wolves or the hearts um, <laughs> either way. Um, but uh, more likely because I do, I, every year I have uh, on the Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday, um, I host a game day and there's a, we call it the Battle Ball World Championship because I don't think anybody else has claimed that title. So. <laughs> I can't imagine, though. <laughs> so it's us. We get, we have a trophy every year. So that uh, makes it really super official. Um, and uh, so most of the year, probably not playing Battle Ball because it's a fantastic <laughs> game and, and I do love it. But uh, uh, But one really full day of Battle Ball uh, holds me over for a while. So... <laughs> If you came to my house right now, probably there'd be two choices, depending if, if it was just two players or if there was more. If it's just two players, I'd probably try and talk you into playing Unmatched. 
any of the the unmatched sets. I have almost all of them. I don't have Deadpool yet, but I will soon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We'll remedy that problem. (laughs) That's a problem that's easy to solve. Um, And if there's more of us, I'm going to go with uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming the original one, not the Scooby-Doo one. I have Scooby-Doo. I play-tested Scooby-Doo. I'm really looking forward to, to playing the finished version. I haven't done that yet, but no, the original one. And if, if we're going to be able to get together multiple <laughs> sessions, I'm going Legacy. I have an unopened copy of Betrayal Legacy just waiting. I've, I've played through it once, um, but uh, I'm ready to go again. Yeah, I haven't really got into the Legacy part. Uh, I think it's because a lot of times when I play games, it's I got like a 90-minute attention span you know once it crosses 90 minutes you know even great games you know they to me if it gets much longer than 90 minutes my my add brain is like woo. for me the legacy thing really only works if i'm playing with with great friends um you know because we get stories out of it uh when pandemic legacy season one came out a, a couple of us four of us played it all in one weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we plowed through Pandemic Legacy Season 1 in one weekend. It was spectacular. <laughs> now, see, maybe something like that, maybe, but my goodness, that's, uh, that's, quite, a, that's quite a feat. <laughs> it was, uh, it, we didn't know if we'd finish when we started, but uh, uh, we were done by mid-afternoon on Sunday, so loved it. I bet. Uh, so, Klaus Teuber's classic game, The Settlers of... Well, so I work with a guy named Bob Caton. And I don't like Bob very much, so I'm not going to call it Caton. Um, I <laughs> I go Catan uh, most of the time. <laughs> well, at least it's not Caton. That, that <laughs> <laughs> there are wrong answers, and then there are wronger answers. That might be the more the most wrong answer out there. Oh man, yeah. So, uh, do you board game at lunch with your coworkers? You know, I wish I did. I, I don't, uh, in part because I'm lame. I, you just that's there's really that's what it boils down to. But I usually wind up working through lunch. Um, I do communications for the state treasury in Pennsylvania, and. Um, I'm usually, you know, the morning is, is a bunch of meetings and by lunchtime I've got, you know, requests from reporters or whatever else work I got to get done. So I usually just work through lunch, which I need to stop doing. Yeah. I, I worked for a company a long time ago that when you started working through your lunch, they started expecting you to work through your lunch. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not ever making that mistake again. So even if all I get is 15 minutes to myself, I'm like, that's my lunch. Smart. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna give up that. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> so in a game where you pick colors, do you have a certain color that you gravitate towards? Well, it is, I think, undisputed in the world that the greatest franchise in all of professional sports is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so I go with green, and if that's not available, I go with yellow. <laughs> oh, green or yellow. Uh, you know what? Between those two, you, you probably are in most games. 
Yeah, yeah. And it, look, in a pinch, their throwback jerseys are blue. I can go blue. <laughs> if I have to go way back. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I'm one of those people. I do, I, I do play green as often as I can. And when I'm not green, I really have to focus yes. on the fact that I'm not green. Absolutely. And it's so funny because I was just talking to somebody else and, and she plays red and she's like, I can play almost any color, but I cannot be blue because her significant other is always blue. And so she's been trained to never be blue. Oh, that's and, funny. Yeah. And, you know, I find myself like I like red and I'll play orange. Um, but if I get much past outside of those two colors, yeah, I'll forget what color I am. I'll be strategizing. Ticket to ride. I'll be getting, you know, I'll be like setting up to do this huge thing and realize I'm not the yellow trains. I'm the green trains and everything in my hand is now completely worthless. And there goes half an hour's worth of work, you know? Yep. Been there. So you're a part owner of the Green Bay Packers. I am. I, uh, I, I bought one share myself. And then when my uh, when my parents passed away, a share that had belonged to my dad had transferred to my mom, and then that transferred to me too. So now I've doubled up. Uh, I own two shares. My wife owns one share. So between us, you know, we're we're practically majority. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I read that, and I'm like, that's that's incredible. I had to know this story. That's. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was basically a $250 donation to the Green Bay Packers Incorporated. But we do get to vote on the board of directors every year. And they actually do have a uh, shareholders meeting every year at Lambeau Field uh, where the team CEO comes out, gives a status update. Um, The coach talks to the fans. Usually they answer some questions, the general manager and stuff. So um, you know, there's there's not a lot of uh, there's no financial benefit. Um, uh, unfortunately, it does not move you up on the season ticket waiting list. Uh, <laughs> but you do get one day a year at Lambeau Field if you're able to get out there. Hey, there you go. That's better than nothing. Aaron Aaron Rodgers going to be uh, solid again this year. I no doubt. I don't know where he's going to play next year, but uh, but this year I'm pretty darn confident he's going to have another good year. He and uh, Coach LaFleur seemed to really be on the same page with the offense these days. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of that off-season malarkey going on, but uh, he's back. I was kind of hoping he would, you know, maybe find his way to Chicago or Indianapolis, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Indianapolis picked up uh, Carson Wentz, who promptly got hurt. So I'm like, yeah, that checks. That's, That's good job. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. I I want to like Carson Wentz, but he does have a history of injuries. He has a, a very long history of injuries. Yeah. <laughs> so if you had a 60-minute lunch hour, what is your go-to 60-minute game? Well, I am it, – it, it, this is kind of a cheat, so feel free to yell at me if you want to. <laughs> Um, but I'm going with the crew. I know you can't complete the crew in 60 minutes, um, but uh, I'd work through it over a series of 60-minute sessions. I, I love playing the crew. I can sit there. If I'm playing the crew, 60 minutes just flies by. Yeah. No, it's solid. It is kind of a legacy-type game where you're, you're trying to complete your missions in order and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, you could definitely complete 
what, three? Yeah. Four? Yeah, depending where you are in the, uh, uh, you know, how far along you are, how difficult the missions are, uh, could get in two, three, maybe four if you're uh, uh, if you're at the very beginning and good. Yeah, I mean that's that's not bad. I mean that's yeah. a good game. Uh, so a thirty minute game, a half hour. What what are you pulling there? This one's a couple years old now, but I still love, and I, I still have to explore some of the expansions. Uh, Sagrada. Um, Yep. Great game. Love how things look at the end. Uh, it works really well with a wide variety of gamers, which um, I don't have at the moment. Uh, we moved not too terribly long ago, and I haven't um, settled into a, a, a new steady gaming schedule yet. Um, and uh, so games that, that, that can appeal to a pretty wide group of people uh, – help out a lot and Sagrada is is one of those. I real I've never had a bad time playing Sagrada. And it's pretty. It's so pretty. It it is a very pretty game. Yeah. I don't know if I've I don't know if I've played any of the expansions either. I know I've played the base game a couple times. It, and it is. It's a very approachable game. Yeah. And and I think it's the colorful dice. It's the it's the stained glass window piece, you know, that makes it inviting and you know, it is very pretty and very approachable. And I think that that's what kind of helps draw people into that game. You're you're so right. I think inviting and approachable are great words for it. And when it's out on the table and other people notice it, uh, they're very likely to say, what is that that you got going on there? You know? Um, Whereas with, with a lot of games, you know, if they see battle ball, which I love, uh, which is, (laughs) Fantastic, which I think I've rated 10 on Board Game Geek. And if not, I should be ashamed of myself. Um, but, uh, you know, people look at that and they'll be like, oh, that's robots and monsters and stuff. Not really my thing. But Sagrada uh, just draws in a lot of people. No, I think the other thing with Battle Ball that would do the uninitiated or the hesitant to start board gaming the 44 inch by 20 inch board <laughs> that takes up the whole table you're playing on and all the, in these 22 highly detailed miniatures, uh, it, it can definitely, it can, you know, it, when I got it out of the box and the rule book is just way too big for that small of a game too. And yeah. And I'm like, how am I ever going to learn this? And then like, I just read the rules. I'm like, Oh, that's it. Oh well, that that makes sense. And, yeah. it, and really, it's very it is a very easy game to teach. Very lightweight, with a lot of great strategy on how you move your team down the field. You know, do you run out and grab the ball with your with your receiver, and then run back, and then try to work it down slow? Do you you know, or do you just take the heavy tackle and just plow through the line? You know, and it's there's a lot, and then anything in between, right? Yeah, uh, so even when, the initial setup, you got to be a little bit careful on. Uh, you know, you don't want to leave a gap because a couple of 20s <laughs> and the half is over like that. I had that happen to me with my son when we were we were playing. And you really have to worry about it when you get to overtime and you've had a lot of serious injuries. Yeah, and uh, you you're down you're down players and. He ran right. He ran out, grabbed the ball, and on the next roll, rolled like an eighteen, and he just he's in my end zone because I didn't have enough players to like <laughs> to shut him off. Yeah, yeah. Overtime is dangerous in battle ball, and the the field, the size of the field with the the twenty sided die 
it's just perfectly proportioned oh, yeah. to make it risky and exciting and fun. I mean, they really nailed it with, with Oh, yeah, and, and the, they're super fast, So, but they're also easy to tackle. Yep. You know, I mean, like I said, mechanically, it is just, it is so sound. And nothing is better. Nothing is better in Battle Ball to me than when you're involved in a tackle with the receiver, and the re- it's your receiver, say, and you roll a one and knock the other guy out of the game. <laughs> It's that's more satisfying than a touchdown sometimes. I, I hate like the pass and you throw the ball and you need like you're rolling the D20 and you're rolling the, in the D6. You're like, all I need is 12. I can clearly roll a 12 between the, I got 26. I, need, I can click and you roll like five and you're like, how <laughs> the red die comes up a one and you're like, really a one? <laughs> it's uh any game that has the range of emotions that it pulls out <laughs> that battle ball does i'm down for that game <laughs> so uh, i usually ask about a, a hidden gem or a guilty pleasure but but i really unless you have something else ba- battle ball is like the best yeah battle ball fits both of those and i i mentioned real briefly hero scape before which was gonna oh, be my yeah. other one um, you know, I have far too much HeroScape downstairs and uh, still love that game. Um, I like setting it up. I, uh, the, the only thing I don't like is tearing it down, but setting it up and playing it. Um, HeroScape is fantastic. And uh, one of those games that came along at exactly the right time, because these days it would be, you know, a $250 game on Kickstarter. Um, but at the time it was like a $30, $40 game at Toys R Us. And it's, it's amazing what what scalability can do, right? Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like these games, like Awaken Realms, like to put out these high, highly detailed miniatures, and they're you know they make these big miniatures, small miniatures. They're all highly detailed, and their games are like three hundred bucks. Yeah, they're gorgeous, but. Yeah, but they're three hundred dollars. But then, like you said, like HeroScape was like thirty-five bucks twenty years ago. Well, geez, twenty-five, thirty years ago, because because yeah, we're old, and that's what happens to time. <laughs> it is. Let's see, HeroScape uh, was two thousand four. Oh, okay. It was not as old as I thought. Okay, all right. So, but it's still fifteen. Yeah. It's still fifteen years ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, but, yeah, it, it, well, like, Battle Bowl, we were talking earlier, like, $20. The game has 22 highly detailed, fully painted miniatures, a metal football. Yeah. And this gigantic puzzle board field and 20 bucks, like, that's insane. Like yeah. you couldn't, you can't do that these days without, you know, the backing of Hasbro to where you're like ordering 2 million copies. Ah, yeah, we'll sell 2 million copies. Yeah. Yeah. Even Hasbro, you know, I think the, um, uh, I think that the prices at the factories in China have gone up significantly over the past 15 years and not even talking about the current shipping situation and distribution situation that everybody's, you know, kind of, suffering through um but uh, but yeah you're right that scalability you know um 
I, uh, I I tell my friends who who still aren't really well versed in the gaming hobby, you know, they said like I'm going away next week. I'm going to be at a board game convention. What the hell are you talking about, Eric? And I tell them, and um, you know, I explain to them about how the internet has changed things because it used to be that to have a hit in the board game world, you had to be in Toys R Us, you had to be in mass market stores, which really meant Hasbro, Mattel, or a very small number of independent companies and nowadays you know a game publisher a small publisher can have something that is is profitable at least or at least doesn't lose money uh with five thousand to fifty thousand copies you know for some publishers fifty thousand copies would be a wild hit but the only way to to make that work on the distribution level is with the internet so um, yeah so you mentioned kickstarter earlier are you a backer yeah, um, I back games on Kickstarter with with some regularity. I tend to go through um, waves, I guess. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you, uh, because because your wife starts yelling, yelling at you, but they start showing up and it starts hitting the credit card, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! So yeah, you, you, exactly don't, you right. turn I'll, it down. You know, I'll make the uh, uh, I'll call it a mistake. It's not really a mistake, but I'll make the mistake of backing one on Kickstarter. <laughs> Um, and then I'll start browsing around, seeing what else is out there. And I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. Let's see what people have said about that. Um, and before you know it, uh, you've backed five more games. So, I think right now I only have one active one still going. Okay. But I've got about, I don't know, 12 that aren't here yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite in that situation. I got, um, uh, I ordered basically i think everything that you could with the uh with the marvel united um game and then they had different shipping options and i said wait until it's all together and ship it to me um and so i got that and um that's the last really big one that i have received from kickstarter i might be my problem is i order them and it's fun the campaigns are great i enjoy watching everything rack up, you know, all of the add-ons, all of the uh, bonuses, all that stuff. And um, then I forget about it. And it, it, then all of a sudden I get shipping notices and I'm like, oh, I wonder what the heck that's going to be. And then this big box shows up at my house and I'm like, oh, now I need space for this. <laughs> yeah, I, I was joking with one of my other friends. He's a big, he's also a big uh, Kickstarter backer. And I, I think the only thing that's really starting to drive me nuts now is like you'll just get a notification. Here's a tracking number. Yeah. Well, what, 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 for what? <laughs> right. And it's like it's, it's, it's UPS. It'll be there Thursday. What will be here Thursday? <laughs> Do I need to warn my wife that you know, you know, like here's a tracking number? Great, you know. So yeah, and I've got it into. Uh, doing board game reviews for uh, a friend's website. And so I get prototypes and then, you know, we get the, that's the, the, the payment for it is you get the production copy when it's done. Right. And so I'm like, Oh, the, all these games are showing up for free. And I'm like, yeah, it seems like a good idea to get like a stack of free ones that I have. I'm like, Oh man, I still got to play that one and that one and that one. I had at at the peak of my collection, I was somewhere north of a thousand games, um, which is for me. I, look, if you're totally into it and you want to make the space for it, great. God bless you. Please invite me to your house. I want to be your friend. But 
for me, it's just too much. So I spent a long time when we moved paring down my collection, uh, donated a lot to thrift stores through the areas. I put up a couple of geek lists where people who were nearby could could actually track what I was dropping off and when um, in case they wanted any. I sold a lot through the geek market um, on Board Game Geek, through some local gaming um, events and stuff like that. So now I'm down to, I think I'm under 250 games, but basically what I have now is this wall of shelves. That's how many games I'm allowed to have. <laughs> Um, a self-imposed limit, this wall, nothing more. There are exceptions. HeroScape does not count toward that limit. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Well, got it. It's like every it's like everything. There's gotta be exceptions to the rule. Right. And it, look, the HeroScape exception should go without saying, but <laughs> my buddy, uh, he had so much he had like a whole room. Right, it was game room, but it was just it was basically like a converted garage into yeah. a game room. And when he outgrew the game room, he decided to open a game shop. And now, all the games he has became his library that you come in and play. And then he has a, a store that you can buy games from as well. So, I'm trying to convince my wife that that's what I'm doing is I'm building a library. <laughs> And I'm going to open a store. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I have found that it hasn't slowed down the acquisition of games. Um, it just forces me to make difficult decisions about what is coming off of the shelf. Um, <laughs> or you just find a bigger wall. Yeah, that's true. I, right. I can shift it. It's no longer this wall. Now it's this wall over here. Yeah. Yeah. It's this wall's bit. This wall. <laughs> Who needs a door? I'll just put games in there. I'll climb I'm out going, the window. I'm going to Ikea, honey. I need more Calyx shelves. You want yeah. anything? <laughs> well, like I've got mine downstairs and it's full, obviously. And, you know, stacked on top as high as can be. And then up here. Uh, so my game table is like right on the other side of where I am right now. But I decided to hang. I got all my, my Ikea shelves where I put all like the smaller games and stuff like that. And yep. other nerd stuff. But I'm like. I got more over here. You can't see. And I got more over here and it's, but I, you know, but like you said, thrift shops right now, they are ripe with this stuff. Oh yeah. You know, people like you that, you know, and me, like I got rid of, I got rid of a handful of games that I'm like, I'm just, I'm no, I'm never going to play this game again. Yeah. And, and, you know, with, with shipping costs being what they are, um, like I, I said, I got rid of a lot through the geek market and I did, but the shipping costs are just brutal um, these days. So it just makes so much more sense to anything that's sort of middle of the road or lower go into the thrift store. And even even some really good games have gone to my local thrift stores. <laughs> I live a little too far away to go benefit from that. But I'll tell you, I mean, I've been using Facebook Marketplace to both get rid of games and acquire new games. Uh, I've used Craigslist for both. Uh, I haven't had a lot of luck selling games on Craigslist as much as I've had success finding new <laughs> games on Craigslist. <laughs> nice. Uh, but anyway, your book, uh, How to Host a Game Night, I want to touch on a few things in it that I really that really struck, you know, stuck out to me uh, the bit on group dynamics and 
and you know trying the interpersonal dynamics and in watching out for bad <laughs> bad combinations dealing with that one guy that one player um it i i like that whole section on it and then just like i said earlier just how you broke it down based on player count and length and so i think the i did mine usually fall i usually fall right between the small group of three to six and the large group of seven to ten i've never never passed ten yep but I, we will get a good, you know, even when I was at my old job, we would have lunchtime where we'd have seven or eight people and we're trying to find a game that we could fit in a lunch hour with seven or eight people. And, you know, we usually defaulted to Bang or Seven Wonders or something like that where you could have a lot of players. Yep. But, but yeah, and then a game weekend, you know, how do you set it up? You know, snacks, food beverages yeah lots of fun to do a lot of a lot of planning goes into a good game weekend but you know with airbnb and services like that so many great options out there now that uh you know didn't exist even a couple of years ago really and um just one of my favorite things is is a weekend getaway uh with some friends playing a bunch of games doing other stuff too but um, just, just hard to beat it. Very relaxing and, and, you know, really recharges your batteries. It's great. Oh, abs- absolutely. Uh, I, mine was two weeks ago and we had an Airbnb on the other side of, so on the other side of the park. <laughs> so it's just like, like a mile, miles the crow flies, but I, I had it. to go, I had to go around the park. Um, and yeah, and we just, we played just, we played games till we fell asleep Friday night. We woke up Saturday, played a couple games, went out, hit up the game shops. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a perfect weekend right there. And then we came back and played more games until midnight. I mean, I think, you know, the other thing that was in your book that was also good was knowing your, your audience, know who's there and what kind of games they play. Yeah. Because I will play any game once ditto I, I i say that but i can look at a game sometimes and be like this thing's this thing says it's a six hour play time you know that's not me <laughs> no that's true that's that's not me either and i i've been to uh the world board gaming championships enough to know uh that if i see guys out there using tweezers to move small cardboard squares <laughs> uh, i need to run the other way um <laughs> I respect them. I respect them a lot. I just don't want to join them. And so, yeah, if you're out there with tweezers moving the cardboard chits around the old Avalon Hill, you know, I pass. Yeah. Uh, where's the Monopoly board? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I had I had so much fun putting the book together, and I, I'm really thrilled that you um, that you oh, enjoyed man. it and appreciated it. the The best part was, uh, you know, there's a lot of stories in there, some from my personal experience, but I talked to so many gamers, and uh, some of it was by email, some of it was messages on board game geek forums, some of it was in all sorts of different ways. But um, just the 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 great fun. I hope I got across the great fun that that everybody I talked to has. Uh, playing board games it's it's uh, it was just great fun to write the book i hope that comes across oh i i I loved it i i I always joke that you know i read at the level of a college graduate at the speed of an eight-year-old 
um i just i don't read very fast i just don't yeah um but i did i i flew through this book i, I found lately that board game books i just blow right through them just right through them you know your book was no exception i i got through it so fast and then i spent time tracking down a copy of battle ball so <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's so funny to me how you know being in the community how you can come across the weirdest games in the weirdest ways right yeah and you know i came across battle ball reading a book about how to host a game night and i've thrown game nights all the time but i'm like i want to read this book because why not and you know at my old office we would we go game nights and we'd have pizza and we called it pizza pop and popcorn and games and so we would have you know all this stuff going on and 20 people and in one night we you know they'd all branch out and play games and you know i'm like i've thrown game nights but i'm like you know what though i kind of want to read this book anyway and then you do you do you think you have things there i didn't think about like you know having to deal with that problem guy and making sure you have games that you know they that everybody wants to play and the difference between a game night and a game weekend and, you know, and it, like I do lunchtime gaming, you know, like there's a whole different dynamics to all of that. Yeah. Every, every situation is different. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, um, some of my friends, you know, good natured ribbing, uh, how to host a game night. Why do I need a whole book about that? Um, but, uh, I, you know, I say, look, just read through it. It's more, it's, it's more than that too. It's, it's game reviews, it's stories, it's fun. It's, uh, uh, some reminiscing. Um, it's, uh, some craziness, um, with hopefully some very practical tips that you have not thought of yet, uh, included as well. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, it, it was just so much fun writing. It's such a great hobby and, um, very happy to, hopefully contribute a little bit to it. So how did you get into gaming? Always been a gamer? Always been a gamer. Um, grew up playing games. I still have my dad's, boy, I forget what year it was, but um, Winning Moves did a, a retro version of Risk that was exactly the version my dad had, like 1960-something. Um, so even before I was old enough to play Risk, I would open the box and, and use the little, they had, they were basically plastic rectangular cubes. Um, and, um, I would use them to just like build things, but yeah, I grew up playing board games like connect Four. I had a sister who I have a sister who's about 18 months younger than me. We played games like connect Four, and, uh, you know, I'm sure we knocked over, uh, the, the, the plastic, board of, of connect for about as often as we finished a game peacefully. But, uh, what I remember most growing up is playing trivial pursuit, uh, because it would always be dad versus me, my mom and my sister. <laughs> dad would always win and, uh, drove my mom nuts. Uh, she would, uh, uh, she would hit him in the arm every single time and say, Dah! you know, and, uh, <laughs> but, but dad was a trivia savant and um, uh, it was just great fun. And uh, then when I went to college, uh, that's when I started um, sort of learning more about different games. Um, I started playing we played Euchre a lot and Risk a lot. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, where'd you go to college? Temple university in Philadelphia. Uh, okay. It was like, Euchre is such a Midwestern game. 
Yeah. I, I don't know why uh, uh, my roommates, they're both from north of Philadelphia, basically. And I don't know why they knew it, but they taught it to the rest of us. And uh, we played it all the time. I had no idea back then that it had Midwestern roots, but my dad. Oh, was, man. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a great trick taking game. Great trick. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's it's awesome. And I grew up playing it. My uh, my mom's side of the family plays it. My dad's side of the family plays it. I play it. My sister plays it. My brother, nope. <laughs> That's my, my wife, nope. Funny. My wife won't play it. So my brother and my wife sit over on the couch, like I, you know. And they're they're not gonna play euchre, but it, it's so funny when I hear people that say euchre because it's it is it's such a midwestern game and yeah. oh man so have you ever played rook? Oh yeah, that's yeah that's a I'm glad you said it. Yeah, my mom always had a rook set and uh, we we definitely played that around the house. Man, I so I kind of got into rook because I read a, a book mm-hmm. and, and it was talking about all the old games that. Parker created himself. George Parker created himself. And um, I was like, Rook, I, you know, I think my parents had that. And we never played it. And so I bought a deck from Walmart for like four, four bucks or something. Yep. And uh, I put the app on my phone and just started playing it. And I had to get Euchre out of my mind <laughs> because it's, it's not about how many tricks you take. It's about taking the right, tricks it's yeah. about get, feeding points to your partner yeah uh it's about you know and so my once i got past all my euchre roots which are very deep very deep roots then i'm like i got better at rook but yeah like rook is such a i mean it's such an old game i mean what was like 1904 or something like that and i'm yeah. like holy cow so i've been playing a lot of rook lately on my phone oh that's great <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, mom had Rook around. Mom and dad hosted Bridge Night uh, with their friends a lot. And um, I, in middle school, joined the Bridge Club. So, you know, I was cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I was cool. And uh, I, I couldn't play Bridge today to save my life. I don't remember anything about it. But mom and dad, I, th- I think it was about once a month. Uh, they would set up two card tables in our living room and eight folding chairs and six friends would come over and they'd have bridge night. Uh, yeah. Peanuts and the foulest tasting candies that anybody ever saw, but they uh, ate them. I bet you those are the ones my wife loves. All those old nasty things. Like oh. powdery kind of. Yeah. Oh, things. gross. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I think that's why mom <laughs> bought them because she knew that Lisa and I would need them. <laughs> Well, if I buy these, the kids will leave them alone. Yeah, but you still have to eat them, so the joke's on you. Uh, yeah, my parents hosted uh, Euchre Nights when uh, we were kids. And so there was a group of eight of them, or four couples, and uh, they would go around each other's houses and, you know, make a night of playing Euchre. Uh, but yeah, Bridge is one of the games that I've uh, wanted to teach myself. I haven't uh, found the time to teach myself Bridge yet. I did teach myself Cribbage. Mm-hmm. I taught my son, who's nine, how to play cribbage. Nice. Yeah, if you ever want to get you know humbled real quick, um, my son, will, <laughs> my son will do that for you. <laughs> oh man, I, he's really big into chess, and we were playing battle ball, and he started using like his chess theories. No. Oh. And it's like, dude, this isn't even fun anymore. Like, 
It, it, he'll just take the heavy tackle and go right after yours. And his whole theory is, well, if we, you know, if we both roll twos, then we both don't have the heavy tackle. And oh well. And I'm like, but I don't want to lose the heavy tackle. Boy, but it's like in chess, if I take out your queen with my queen, and then you take my queen, we neither one of us have a queen. And I'm like, but I like the heavy tackle, you know. And it's you know, so he, <laughs> I. I've never shown him real, you know, never been like the mercy dad. Like I don't let him win. Mm-hmm. And so it's now when we play games, it's, you know, it's, it's a knockdown drag out. You know, if he wins, he wins. Like we were just playing, uh, oh, what was that little game? Micro dojo, <laughs> a Kickstarter. I backed the idea behind it was awesome. He made a game that like fit into like a shipping envelope mm-hmm. and very flat, just one piece of cardboard punch out with a flat rule book. And whoop, shipped it right to you. And it was like three bucks or five bucks or something. And we were playing. We got going. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think I can win this. He goes, nope. And I can't either, Dad. We're in a stalemate. And I'm like, how long have we been in a stalemate? And he's like, oh, a while. <laughs> and I'm like, why did you say it? Like, why did you say something? Because I know it's bedtime once the game was over, so we just kept playing. I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> Your kid is going to do something big in the world, man. That's awesome. <laughs> it may, it maybe just he'll design the next game. You know, one of the one of the it games for the the month or whatever. But yeah, it was funny. I'm like, well, what did you say? Something? Well, then I'd have to go to bed, and I didn't want to go to bed. <laughs> I don't know how you argue with that, you know impeccable logic <laughs> yeah kids logic sometimes right yeah oh man but yeah so i got my and then my daughter she'll be three coming up soon and uh so she's already rolling dice and playing you know playing cards and they play Candyland and hoot all hoot and he's trying to teach her like formula d and i'm like okay man she's not <laughs> she's not even three buddy and he's like yeah but it, I just want her to play so we can play together. And I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, if she gets the hang of that game. I'm really in trouble because she's not even three. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I remember playing games with our niece and nephew when they were younger, um, you know, maybe five or six. And we played a couple of memory based games with them and got humiliated. <laughs> My brain is, you know, basically like a colander, and yeah. uh, but their brains keep everything in them, so they were destroying us. The steel trap versus the steel sieve. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> if it's big enough, it sticks, but if it doesn't, it goes right through. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Kids are hilarious, and you know, my kids. You know, it, it's it's been a lot of fun playing games with them and everything, and but you know, we'll see what happens as they get older. Yeah. You know, we usually play games at night. I got a lot of two player games because it's just a lot of time. Just my son and I will be playing while my wife's trying to get the daughter to bed. And but we've got some games that we can, we can try to calm the wife into playing. Like, you know, you want you want to play this game. Come on. <laughs> so we've, we've dug out some old. Well, because of those books, uh, Millborn. Oh, yeah. Never heard of it. Then we got it and. It went from like a game that we just picked up to the 
third most played game in my app. So I've been tracking my gaming. Awesome. Because because you can tell I'm cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it went from like a game that we've never played to the third most played game in my app just over the course of like eight months. Wow, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, that's a uh, that that's the yeah Rook Milborn. Um, some of those games that that were designed back then, uh, many of those games, many of the games designed back then are pretty much unless you're scouring the geek or or old eBay actually they're lost to history, and that's because they weren't fun to play. But uh, some of them stuck around, and uh, they're fun to play. The number one game on my list to find right now is Acquire. Oh, I, I can't find it anywhere. I've never played it. It's in every book. I'm not going to tell you that I have two copies downstairs. Then, <laughs> and that doesn't I mean, include that doesn't include the really nice Hasbro um, uh, Wizards of the Coast edition uh, that I got rid of. <laughs> I have some of those old 3M books, you know, yeah. like from the '60s. That's one the of my originals. Yeah, the original Sid Sacks and Acquire. Um, I've got Feudal, and Feudal's great. I've never played um, Feudal. Cool. Oh, it's it's a lot of fun. And I think I came across that on a podcast I was listening to. I should not be allowed anywhere close to anything talking about board games because it just costs me money. But I got Feudal, and it came with another one called like Breakout, and that one's kind of dumb. Okay. But but Feudal's all right. And then I'm like, oh, you know, and then Twixt, and I'm like, I want to get that. And, yeah. Um, but then, like, acquires in like every game book, you know. And... I've got one that's um, it's a word game. I'm drawing a blank on the title right now, but it's in that 3M bookshelf bookcase series, and uh, it's a word game. Anyway, it's on my pile of games that. So now, given my uh, my rule about the shelf is all I'm allowed to have, um, I have a, a set of games where I need to play them once before I decide for sure that they're that they're going to hit the road and that's that's currently in that pile the uh, shelf of shame kind of oh, we, well yes the shelf of shame in that I've owned these games and never played them uh, so absolutely um, but I also have so I have like old um, some old James Bond games some old Sherlock Holmes games stuff like that which I know once I play them once that's enough <laughs> You can just tell from the, uh, uh, you know, that how old they are, who the publisher was, and what the box cover looks like. You know, I bought them because I thought there was potentially something unique and interesting in them, and uh, I will play them, and there won't be, and then we'll move I, on. I think your keyword there was who the publisher was. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're no longer around. Right. Nobody picked up their IP because they don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, between uh restoration games and winning moves, um man, they are they're doing a killer job keeping some of these uh older titles around. Like you can still get a copy of Touring through Winning Moves. Yeah. And um which is the for the game before Millborn. And um but yeah, it just you know, it's those games are the ones that are still around, still coming back. And they're they're fantastic because they're solid, solid games. 120 yeah. years old. 
No, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, sometimes, um, you know, we talked about hero quest earlier and I know Hasbro, um, recently did a kind of Kickstarter, but it wasn't on Kickstarter version. That was essentially it's as I, as I recall it. And as I understand it, it's basically a redo, basically the same game of hero quest, which, which is cool. And there's nostalgia there and stuff, but man, I would love for restoration games, man, I would love for them just to, to get their hands on that. Anything they do, Rob Davio and Justin Jacobson. Um, I mean, they're, they just like, they have a magic touch when it comes to making games that Eric Arneson likes anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you downforce is my jam. Yeah. Yeah. That, that game is my jam. I mean, Wolfgang Kramer is amazing. Yeah. And Downforce, I I just, I love it. Yeah. And can't get enough of that game. Ditto. It's, uh, I've I've got all the maps. It's, oh, yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. They did a great job putting out like the definitive edition of a game that's had a bunch of versions. Um, Oh, yeah. And uh, six, I think it was, or four. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I really learned to love Board Game Arena during the pandemic. And when Downforce showed up on Board Game Arena, <laughs> it was, that was a happy day. Oh, man. Yeah. And I, you know, the last, <laughs> the last set of tracks, when they introduced the ramps, I'm like, I love it. But you're way off theme here. <laughs> <laughs> Now, have you seen the Mario Kart uh, Monopoly Mario Kart Gamer? No. And it comes with little, uh, so it's Monopoly and it's trash. But the cars that come with it are the same size as the Downforce cars. Touchdown. And you, yeah, and you can buy up all the expansions, which are just more cars. You'll spend more money on Bowser than everything else combined. <laughs> But it's worth it because you need the orange car. And then people have created rules where you combine downforce with the Monopoly game. And you use like the coins and the, the die. And then you you set it. So it's like Mario Kart. So like I have, you know, the opaque D6s. And you set them out across the board and you run into them like mystery boxes of Mario Kart. And I mean... And you, and you play Downforce at the same time that you're playing with these Monopoly. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It's like this was a missed opportunity. But I came across Millbourne in France. They have a Mario Kart Millbourne. Wow. That's cool. And I'm like, I want it. But I cannot justify 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and I can go... I. That one I can go pick up a copy of Millborn for five bucks at the consignment shop, you know? Right. right. Yeah. It's um I um I lucked into boy, I forget now even what game it was based on, but a um uh, a a Star Wars game that was only produced in Germany and I kept looking at it and I'm like, Man, I'd like that, I'd like that, but it's ridiculous. I can't spend that much money. And then I was at some game event and there was like a, um, uh, you know, a flea market kind of setup, and somebody had it and I happened to get to that table early and it was only like 
40 bucks instead of 140 bucks. And I was like, oh yeah, it's only, it's a card game. There's no way that it's worth anything like 40 bucks, but I'm all in at that price. Well, it's like the Carcassonne, the Star Wars Carcassonne. Oh yeah. Remember that was such a small print run. Yep. And it's, my buddy's a big Star Wars fan and I got it for him. It's all right, but you I'm like now you could sell that for a hundred bucks. It's like it's a game of carcassonne. Yeah. It is not worth a hundred bucks. It is yeah. not worth a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's amazing what um foreign editions can, you know, where they don't have the rights for, for English language or for the United States or whatever they don't have the rights for. Um, but they can do cool stuff and then all of a sudden we all want it. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like, uh, so uh, people, when they go, they would, at my old job, he would travel, and he would always pick me up a copy of Catan in that language. Oh, cool. So I've got, like, Japanese Catan, I've got Romanian Catan, you know, and it's, you don't even, but Catan is so visual, you don't even need the, re- you know how to, I know how to play the game, so. Yep. I can play it and I got all the cool pieces that are, you know, the Japanese pieces are different than the the U.S. release. And it's crazy. Have you ever played uh, Trome Fabrique? It's no. uh, it's a Reiner Knizia um, auction game based on Hollywood. And it was published by Hasbro, but it was published by Hasbro Germany, uh, which is why it's called Trome Fabrique. It means Dream Factory. And in Germany, for whatever reason, I don't understand the rules, but in Germany, they could use real people. So it's got like Alfred Hitchcock and there's so there's John Ford, there's four directors and then a whole bunch of classic actors and actresses, all this and that. And they just had a new version come out um, that I think is called Hollywood Golden Age, uh, which was produced, if I'm not mistaken, in Spain. And I happened to notice it in the Board Game Geek store one day, and I immediately bought it. And then I emailed about four friends who I know also love this game, and uh, and they all got it too. Because I know my Trome Fabrique is going to get worn out someday because I play it so often. Um, but it's because it's Spanish, it has classic actors and actresses. It's got a whole different set, not entirely different, but a bunch of different ones in there too. Like the new one has Audrey Hepburn, the old one doesn't, but... Um, anyway, the, those foreign editions sometimes are just too tempting. Well, it's funny, it's funny you say that because one of the one of the games that was uh, was Alan R. Moon's uh, Ten Days in the USA. Oh, and yeah. and that game is fantastic. And the only time, the only place I could find it was on the Board Game Geek store, and it was on sale and all this stuff. I paid like twenty bucks for it, but when you get it in, it's it's in Chinese first. And then in English second, but once you once you read the rules, the game's all visual anyway. And so, you know, but it's like, how does a game like that that, you know, to find an old edition, it's all in English is like 50 bucks. I'm like, I, mine can have Chinese and then say Colorado. I don't care, right. you know, right. I, and the map is just the map of the United States. I know the map. <laughs> I know the United States. So. And it's but always that's... fascinating what games what games reach that status too. Like Ten Days in the USA, great game. I've got it. I like it. I play it. Um, but when it came out, it was easy to find. Like there was no short. But then I, you know, I don't know what the print run was, but the prices skyrocketed. Yeah, it's like I always joke that Z Man, 
they are the most frustrating <laughs> like distributor or manufacturer because everything they do is like what's the minimum i can do for that okay let's do a minimum plus one <laughs> like stone age like they what are they they run a print run of stone age like every two years and what do they run like five thousand copies <laughs> it's like so you gotta grab it when it's out for like 60 bucks otherwise it's 150 dollars because it's out of print like next time i see it i'm gonna grab two copies one for me one to wait and then sell it <laughs> yep yep yeah the secondary market for for games is a fascinating economic study waiting to happen oh absolutely absolutely I've been on a kick right now of collecting clue games that are different than just regular clue. Mm-hmm. Not just like, and I just not some IP slapped on it, you know, but like clue and then clue master detective. So it's the bigger board, the more characters, the more poison or the more weapons, the more rooms, you know, so I've got a bunch of different clue. I'm trying to find the museum caper where they have like the plastic museum and like the art pieces and stuff like that. But I'm like, I'm not spending $70 on a game of clue. I, <laughs> I am just not doing that. I, uh, I used to, I had, a, I used to work somewhere different and on, in that job, I traveled a lot more than I do now. And I would always try and stop it at thrift stores. And so I lucked into my copy of the great museum caper. Um, <laughs> it was like five bucks or something and pretty damn near complete. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're doing that. So, yeah, well, I got the secrets and spies edition brand new and the cards don't work. The, the black light, it oh. doesn't shine. Nothing's on them. Bummer. Go to eBay and you can find just the deck of cards for five bucks. I'm like, I guess I'm buying this deck of cards for five bucks. Yep. <laughs> but like the game came shrink wrapped and I had to punch out all the, yeah. all the chits and, the, the cards were all in their wrapper and I unwrapped them and then I put the light. There's nothing there. They're blank. Mm. It's like, can they go bad? <laughs> that sounds like bad printing more than anything, but yeah. I know. All right. Well, Eric, I'm going to let you go. I feel like we could talk all night if, uh, <laughs> if we could, yeah. but I really appreciate you coming on my show. Even if you're a Packers fan, you're not my first Packers fan either, sadly. <laughs> I need to find non-Packers fans. I want to again. I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show, writing such a great book. I highly recommend this book. Uh, How to host a game night. You can get it pretty much anywhere you can find a book. Um, and of course, I want to thank you for introducing me to Battle Ball. One of my greatest accomplishments in life. Uh, Adam, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I can't wait till uh, we can meet in person someday, play battle ball, play play a lot more Absolutely. games. Oh, yeah. Get out here to Geekway some weekend. Uh, maybe not this year, but next year. I'll, I'll supply the battle ball. I'll, I've got two copies. That's a deal. <laughs> that's a deal. I'm there. So if anybody want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Uh, so I'm easy to find on Twitter at Eric Board Games. It's E R I K Eric Board Games, um, and my website is Eric Arneson E R I K A R N E S O N dot com. Well, I will come find you on Twitter. Uh, I have not done that yet, so I will do that later this evening. And if you want to reach out to me, it's facebook.com slash Eat Lunch and Board Game. Email me at Eat Lunch and Board Game at gmail.com. 
And remember, board games build bridges. Stay in tune with all things sports around Indiana and the nation with the Crash Course Podcast. Each week, we tackle the big storylines from the world of the Colts, Pacers, and the Indiana College scene, while also keeping a pulse on the nation. We record live weekly at twitch.tv slash 3cmedia, and can be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can catch the Crash Course Podcast. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.